tell me a story. Awesome. So Zane, first, thanks for inviting me on this show. I have tons of stories because I am the story queen of my family. I like to liken that to being like the oldest great grandchild coming up in this generation. And so there's stories about like how I ran away from the cops <laughs> trying to get my grandmother an <laughs> onion. There are stories of just so many crazy things that I've did, things that I've said to adults because I'm one of those kids who did say the darnest things. The stories are endless. Nonetheless, today I want to tell you a story um, or kind of recollect, if you will, the tribute that I was able to give to my great grandmother. Now, you met me in Arizona and some people met me there mm -hmm. or in Boston or in Atlanta or, or Clemson and I've polished up over the years, but the truth is, is that I am 100% a country girl. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I am country, 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 country. And I, a lot, a lot of that sort of um, country foundational family feeling that I have to my great grandmother, because I grew up in her home as a child and that was my girl. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And so in the South, you know, grandmothers are like a huge deal as a, a girl, especially too. They raise us, they train us up. I'm 100% Viola Sister Edie's girl. And so um, in February, it always kind of brings up more of the feeling of who she was and, you know, why she was so important to me because it's her birth month. Yeah. It's like history month. And, you know, it's a great start to the, the, the front end of a year. So I'm going to share today what I wrote to celebrate her life at her homegoing ceremony back in 2011 when she transitioned onto the other side. At the time, I was a college student and I was running a summer camp when it happened. And I got the call that changed everything for me. At that time, I had never really experienced the loss of somebody so close. And so it was a, it was a, a monumental loss, but it was the honor of a lifetime to be able to sit and think about that person, the life that they led, and how I want to be remembered as well. The title of my tribute is called A Day with Grandma. Um, and at the time, like I said, I was in college at 21. So I'm recollecting a lot of what it felt like in my early 20s and younger than that. <laughs> now I'm 32. <laughs> so a lot has changed, but this will take us back to that time and period. So here's a day with Grandma Lucy. You ready for it? <laughs> I'm I'm ready. I can't I can't wait for this. Awesome. All right, it's very dramatic. So, everybody hold on. Ring ring ring. Good morning. How are you? Those were the words that one might have heard as early as about 6 a.m. in the morning. Any one of us could walk over to my grandma's house and ask, "Who are you talking to on your phone so early?" <laughs> and the list was usually one of the following. It was either Sis T or Con Broughton or Shirley or Mooty. These are a collection of some of the elders in our community that she loved. That list was ongoing and continuous, and it really could have honestly been anyone because my grandma, she had no problem calling who she wanted when she wanted. That was the thing. She was a telephone girl. So propped up on her couch where she usually fell asleep because she was old. She was probably on that phone the night before with somebody or watching something on television because that was her spot. You probably noticed if you came over to her house that she had a new couch or recliner chair in the same spot every couple years because that was where she was going to be found. The days that I would actually be home and it would be an early morning call she would be calling for somebody to get up and take her somewhere later on the day. So whether it was to a doctor's appointment or to a trip to Utahville, which she would say was Udawville, 
in her country terms, um, so that we can go and get her some groceries or help to pay the bills, taking her by someone's house for whatever reason. She was calling you though, like way too far in advance because she didn't want to be late. She was one of those people. Like it could have been at 7 a.m. She was calling you the day before about what you needed to do that day. Every day for her was definitely a coffee day, but on a very good day, you might get breakfast. Grits that had to be popped. And if you're Southern, popped grits, that's the standard. <laughs> the meat that was cooked from last night, which was usually like some pork chops or some stewed chicken or some beef, which was 10 times better the next day because all the seasonings had time to sit. But on not so good days, we would hear her say, I sure am hungry, which was a hint that somebody else had to cook something for everybody to eat. Somebody would cook and we would all argue about who was going to take the plate to her house because I didn't give you perspective. In the South, me and my family, we live on basically the same plot of land. There are three houses in walking distance to each other and we live very communally in that way. One of us would go and take that plate over to her. You know, it was with the hopes that nobody put ketchup or butter on my grandma's grits because she would tell you that she was not a baby <laughs> and we didn't need the doctor or perfume for her, okay? At this time, she's up on the phone, there's coffee, there's breakfast. It's like 11 a.m. She has already talked to about five different people on the phone. She has eaten, gotten dressed, and grabs her walker and is headed where? To her porch. <laughs> because she loves sitting out on her beloved porch watching the cars pass by. I think she did that just so that people could see that she was home and they would want to stop by and they would stop by and tell them, you know, Hey, consistor, which was what she was affectionately called. You know, we got this coming up and so-and-so is doing good. And that was what she lived for. Um, but I would also get a lot of people who would say, like, I saw your grandma sitting on the porch. And I used to say, you know, if all these people who were calling me or all these people who were stopping by, like if it was worth a quarter, she would be a millionaire because that's literally how many people kept stopping by and calling and saying that they saw her. And for me, it was good to know that because that's what I knew made her happy and kept her going. So now she was sitting outside for a while. She probably sat there and was thinking of all kinds of things and projects that she can get into because she was like that. People would come and tell me, they'd say, Kiana, I passed by and Sister Edie, which was another one of her nicknames, was either raking leaves or watering her flowers. But check this, it was from a chair. <laughs> yeah. Her yard was her yard was her pride. <laughs> she always needed to get her yard as pretty as one of my aunt Amanda. Every time Aunt Amanda got some new flowers, we heard about it. Did you see Aunt Amanda's flowers? I gotta go and get me some new flowers, was what she would say. So by this time, me, my aunt, my siblings, my mom, all of us got up to see what she was doing, and we all knew that we had to get our minds right for that to-do list if she hadn't called you about it already. So sometimes you got a little bit of a warning, and as older people get older, they do things like call you everybody's name in the house. They go, Shirley, Tisha, April, Joanne. Okay, none of those are my names. Um, and then she said, you know who I'm talking to. <laughs> Come here. I have something that I need for you to do. <laughs> and then sometimes you would walk into like a full-time job, right? So the task could range from hand me this remote that is sitting right next to her or to go and get me an ice and a cup of um, a Coke out of the fridge or turn my radio to the specific radio station. And then some days the task were even longer, like help me clean this room. Help me to rearrange the garage. Help me wash, iron, and put up these curtains. But one time I heard my grandmother say, she said, if I could do it by myself, I would. 
And so for me, that was helpful. And it made me kind of jump in the gear and say, let me help her do it. Um, and But what I really loved about the time that I spent with her doing all the things that she wanted me to do was I knew that she was going to drop some wisdom on me. And that's what I loved the most. And that's what I missed the most. She was full of yeah. it and was not afraid to tell us straight up like it was. <laughs> Sometimes I deem that to be a little problematic. <laughs> But for the most part, I think that my whole entire family, anybody who crossed her could say that they appreciate her and her honesty. At the end of whatever you were going to do for her, she was always going to try to give you something. Slide you $10, slide you a little whatever, because she was a big time giver. At this point, it was time to eat dinner. And around our home, everybody knew, knew how to cook their own very special something. But this lady was very good at it all. I knew that my great grandmother was a great cook when I seen her put her bare hand on the stove once. <laughs> it was hot still too. Wow. But tough skin for a tough woman. So while everybody had their fingers crossed hoping that she was going to cook that dinner, lately it had been someone else by the time that I had wrote this. Um, but back in the day when she was in her heyday of cooking, it was undisputable. She was making collard greens that she got from some guy up the road. It had smoked neck bones or some green pigtails that she was not supposed to be eating. You know, a very good stewed chicken that was my absolute favorite. And then she started making, like, everybody, you know, contribute to the meal. So my mom was making the rice, or my aunt was helping to make some of this sweet tea that she made with a peach flavor. Her main adored dishes, though, which started arguments, were her red rice, which is a southern South Carolina delicacy, and her sweet potato pie. And every year she would send a sweet potato pie to some of our cousin's family reunion. And I know that every year they were going to miss those sweet potato pies. You get up, you're cooking, but you might have to go to the store because you might not have everything you need to make this meal that we just asked for. So my grandma has had a range of cars that I've had the privilege of driving, but you always rode in, you know, in the later years, it was a truck that she had. And when... She was riding with you. She was telling you how to drive from the passenger seat. So as soon as I could start driving, I was driving her to our local neighborhood grocer, IGA, which is a very country grocery store. And she was writing her list of fruits and vegetables and things that she wanted us to grab. You always knew that if you went with her, she wanted a Coke. She wanted some kind of a chocolate candy and the hard cheese chips, which are like uh, Cheetos. <laughs> And sometimes, yeah, yeah. yeah, but she, that's what she called them, hard cheese chips. And sometimes she would always ask for a new crossword puzzle book. So she sat in the car while you went and you went and shopped. And that was my full-time job for four years, driving her back and forth to go and get things that she needed. And that legacy had been passed down once I went off to college to my siblings. And I thought that that was the best thing that could have happened to them. I'm sure that they learned a lot from their trips that turned into driving lessons. So the day would wind down, and after my aunt, grandma, cleaned the kitchen from when she cooked, we are sitting back in her living room under the air. She sat in her same spot that I talked about earlier, and now we are watching like Bad Boys, which was cops on TV, <laughs> or she probably made you put on her Lee Williams DVD, and Lee Williams is every Southern Black grandmother's favorite quartet singer, okay? <laughs> He, he actually just recently passed away not too many, uh, like a year or two ago. You're sitting there while this TV is going on and everything is cleaned up. Somebody has already called on the phone. So she's on the phone. 
for me, I'm probably asleep now waiting for her to get off of the phone. But this is the best nap that you ever had because grandmother's house was always so cozy. But if you were like half sleep, half awake, every now and then you would hear her talking on the phone to the person bragging about how she had you there. And, you know, she was just in bliss. And it was those things that I know that really made her happy. I, I sort of ended the tribute on this note to kind of wrap things around, you know, my family and kind of give them some consoling around what I know that she felt about all of us. I said that Grandma Lucy was one that could not go unloved. You loved her for everything that she put you through during that day, whether it was something that you didn't want to do or you were apt to doing. You know, my Aunt Cheryl, which was her baby daughter that lived next door, they would go back and forth every other day. But guess what? Every single day they started fresh and new and they came back and cooked and was running each other's store. And I know that that made her happy. As for her other two children, my grandmother and my uncle, you know, they always did things to make her happy. They called her, they checked on her, they bought her things. And I wanted them to know that she loved them. She told me that and that my aunt was her baby. So on that day, I wanted to remind them that their mother wanted them to hold the family together. And I know that they are today doing the best that they can. To the grandchildren, which is my mother's generation, my mom, my aunt April, my uncle Dwayne, Brad, which was a kid that she loved and adored, aka her bookie boy. They all called her mama, which is very common in the South for people to sort of take mm -hmm. that on to their grandmothers. My cousin Sharia, who was the Jersey girl, she would come and spend the summers and had even at some point managed to get a room of her own when she moved back down South and went to college. Since the day that she met my other cousin, Ryan, she had not been able to stop talking about him. We all heard his name, Ryan, Ryan, Ryan. And I wanted them to know that she loved all of them as her own children she had a lot more words to say about them <laughs> as any <laughs> grandmother would say about their grandkids. But I knew that she loved them because they all took a lot of time to be a part of her life and they really didn't have to. And to kind of wrap things up, as the blessing of being my grandmother, my great-grandmother, as the great-grandchild, the first of the great-grandchildren, you know, I, I recognize that so many of my peers, they haven't even had the experience of knowing their great grandmother. And I had 21 long years with mine. Yeah, and the wow. things, yeah, but the things that I know that she did for me and for my siblings and for all of us, I know like people just like would not understand because at her age, she was 82 when she passed away. She did things that nobody could believe, stuff that 80-year-old women were not going to do. She made something out of nothing. She always gave us her very last. She got out of her bed to do anything we needed of her. My great-grandmother used to get out of her bed to drive me to my first job at 4 o'clock in the morning, sit for an hour and wait till I finished cooking so that I could at least send her home with breakfast. And it's dark outside. <laughs> and she was in her 80s doing that for me. I miss that she would always praise us for our good work. And I think that she was also fair and she let us know when we were not doing our best. I was especially yeah. proud, though, that she always wrote so nicely and signed every card that she gave us. Viola S. Edie, love you. And it had a smiley face. That's her, That was her signature. She was our main lady. I'm so grateful God gave us her to you know, to be here all these years and touch all of our lives. And because she liked to brag, we had to do good and we must continue to do good for her. 
if you ever felt that you had done wrong by her, I had a very specific conversation with my grandmother where she talked about forgiveness and making sure that you forgive people and you don't belabor or harbor on things. She always told me that you have to move on and just forgive people. So she taught us all about being selfless, being a true servant to God. I knew that we would all miss her. To the people listening, whether you knew her as Sister Edie, Cunt Sister, Edie, Vi, Viola, Sister, Grandma, she had a hundred thousand names that people called her. I just wanted everybody to know that the Edie family was going to miss our dear Grandma Lucy, which had nothing to do with her real name. We just called her Grandma Lucy. (laughs) 